0: Welcome to another episode of Leadership Moments with author, professor, and John Maxwell Certified Business and Executive Coach, David McNamee. This show is for everyone who wants to learn, grow, and do the hard work of becoming a better servant leader. Whether you're a veteran leader of people, or you're just getting started, we can all improve our leadership at home, at work, and in our communities. This weekly show gives you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your servant leadership skills. And now, here's your host.
1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Moments. This is David McNamee, your host, and I am so happy to have you here with us today. My guest today is Sherry Paris. Sherry is the Chief Operating Officer of Providence Health and Services, Providence Milwaukee Hospital, and Providence Willamette Falls Medical Center here in Portland, Oregon. Past, in past lives, she's been the uh, Director of Strategic Portfolio Management at Providence Health and Services, Uh, Site Manager for Imaging Services, also at Providence Health and Services, and an Assistant Administrator for Clinical Transplant at OHSU. She serves on a couple of boards uh, of directors, one for the Children's Center and one for the Clackamas Services Center. Her degrees include a Master of Healthcare Administration and a Bachelor of Science in Radiology, Technology, and Science uh, from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank and, you. And uh, I happen to know also that you're a mom, so I let's am. start with that.
2: Great, yeah. Your I mom, am a mother uh, of two children, um, an eight-year-old boy and six-year-old girl, Madeline. Madeline. And Madeline and Nolan.
1: And Nolan, and what are they like?
2: Oh, they are a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because they're, they're different. Nolan loves sports and is very, very chatty. It's interesting. Uh, just last night he was telling me one of the things that he's most scared of is losing his ability to talk because he has a lot of things to say. Um, and Madeline tends to be a little more reserved and likes music and is very affectionate. and Spends a lot of time sitting on mommy's lap still.
1: Have you figured out where they're going to go in life and what they're going to be?
2: I have no idea. Well, actually, Nolan is saying that when he's around 14 to 15, he wants to be a YouTuber and then he wants to be a professional athlete and then when he gets injured, he wants to be a sports broadcaster. So oh, there you go. He has a few things mapped out. We should bring him on the show sometime. <laughs> exactly. Let him,
1: let him give it, get some practice. So, so in the pre-talk, uh, I told you there's one question I wanted to ask. Is being a mom... At all like being a COO, chief operating officer.
2: I I don't I don't know if it's like being, you know, a mom and a COO being the same. I think both require a lot of organization. Um, Both require you to have people skills and connect with people and kind of understand where they're coming from. And certainly, I think being a mom has helped me maybe be a COO or better COO and identifying what people are going through uh, in their life with their work-life balance as they're coming to work.
1: Okay, so, Mm -hmm. but having raised a couple of kids of our own, I know that moms are really important in terms of setting roles and expectations, multitasking, making sure this gets done and that gets done and and that kind of stuff. Surely that's the skill set that makes you successful in what you do.
2: I think so. I mean, there is a lot of um, switching gears and multitasking that goes on both at home and at work. And um, I feel like I constantly uh, keep my eye on a multitude of things, which is good.
1: So describe your daily job. What, what's the COO do for these? And, and you're at two organizations. So talk about that. I'm really interested in how you split your time between the two organizations.
2: Yeah, it's not always a 50-50 split, so it's kind of, you know, what's going on on each campus, but um, kind of a typical day would be we start our, our mornings with a huddle. Um, so whatever campus I'm on, we have a, a huddle where we bring in all our department um, representatives and get an understanding of what's going on in the hospital for the day, any concerns people might have, we reserve... Uh, review safety concerns that may be going on um so very kind of real time in the moment what's going on today kind of focus uh, and then my day may look be looking at uh, future business what's going on with our strategy a lot of the business planning how do we kind of back ourselves into what we want to do next and understanding that and and moving initiatives forward so i do a lot of that kind of work i also am responsible for um being sort of the le- leadership liaison for a multitude of departments. So I try to meet with all of those folks. I think there's about 12, 14 of those um, managers from different departments that I connect with on a monthly basis to help support them in their work and help them with their development um, and operations of the hospital as well.
1: You make it sound so easy, but that uh, when I listen deeply to what you're saying there, there are a lot of moving pieces there mm-hmm. that you're keeping track of. How do you do that?
2: That's a good question. Um, You know, I probably like many people, I have my list. I break my list down into types of work, you know, emails, meetings that need to be made, phone calls that need to be made. And then I just kind of work that plan, try to go big picture with retreats and things uh, on an annual basis and constantly look to say, are the things that we've said are most important? If you could look at my calendar on a daily basis, does it reflect that? And it's, it's easy to kind of get that off balance, but I, I really try to make sure that I'm moving forward some sort of major book of work uh, on a daily basis um, in the midst of sort of maintaining relationships and keeping an eye on whatever's going on uh, in that particular day.
1: Okay. Um, COO implies that there's, a like I say, there's a lot of moving pieces, mm-hmm. which also means a lot of people. Interaction would that be fair to say? That's correct. Are you leading a team then?
2: So i I do in the sense i. So far as my direct interaction is mainly with managers and other directors, and you can Mm -hmm. imagine that Mm -hmm. you know I'm meeting with people usually in groups. other than the other folks that are mentioning one-on-one, so it's a lot of kind of mentoring, trying to support people, understanding where we have maybe operational issues or process improvement opportunities, trying to figure out you know how to prioritize those, move them forward, get people the resources they need, both from our regional level or from the system level. Um, so helping people navigate through that process. Um, is an important part of what I do. So it is, it is really supporting people, and which was actually one of the reasons why I originally wanted to go in leadership to begin with, is to help the people who are at the bedside and mm-hmm. you know, helping others. Mm-hmm.
1: You did move from a, a fairly technical position mm-hmm. at the radiology level, and now you're more uh, executive level. Uh, what's been the change in, in your skill set, the change in the way you do things, as you move from that level to the, to the higher level? If you can reflect on that for just a second.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think at the bedside and and taking care of patients, I worked in cath lab for a while and um, also did regular radiography exams. My work there was really focused a lot around connecting with the individual patient, understanding what they were going through, making sure that I understood the procedure that we needed to do and doing that with, you know, as much accuracy as possible to be able to get to an appropriate diagnosis. Very rewarding especially in the cath lab when you could see sort of real-time rewards of the work that you've done with patients because um, that work tends to be more therapeutic than diagnostic, which was great. Um, as I moved into different management positions, you know, I think your skill set starts to, to change over time where it's more of trying to help groups, um, not necessarily always in a directive way, but um, as a group lead themselves into um, solutions. So, you know, as an imaging manager, I would work on things like, um, you know, folks weren't uh, necessarily pleased or saw opportunities for improvement in maybe the vacation schedule process or the way that we run something in the department. Um, Your style kind of shifts a little bit and, and you start working with not necessarily telling folks a you know, this is how you should do it, or maybe you float a few best practices or examples, but really bringing groups together and helping them synergize and helping them come up with how they're going to govern themselves and what makes sense. So you kind of go through that evolution. Um, And then now as I've moved along more in my career, it's a lot around trying to build structure to move yourselves to being able to bring something to fruition. Do we have the right people at the table? Do we have the right um, meeting, meeting components? Are we following up on what we said we were going to do? Um, oftentimes trying to get synergy to make a decision on what we want to do that's based on our mission, which is really important to our organization, is not as difficult as maybe bringing and orchestrating all the parts together in order to move things along in the timely process. And so I think I continue to try to hone that that skill over time to move things from concept into reality for our patients.
1: Okay, so um, connect a few dots for Mm -hmm. me. What is the mission of your organization?
2: It's really to, um, and I won't recite it sort of word for word, but it really is to um, support um, folks who are vulnerable, um, you know, with a love that reveals, you know, the love of Jesus and Christ and the respecting um, each person's individuality. Um, and so that person could be anyone. I mean, we can any, all of us can be vulnerable. Um, okay, you know, so, in so that's
1: the, the, the overall mission. That's what mm-hmm. you're trying. That's the. The reason you exist normally is the answer to the mission question. So you exist to help the vulnerable, and and do it in the spirit of Jesus love and love and, and love. Okay.
2: And we do that typically through healthcare, but okay. you know there are some parts of our organization that do other types of services like education and things.
1: And that same mission kind of permeates the rest Correct. of those pieces as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it a requirement that everybody in the organization? accept and be part of that mission?
2: And I don't know if it's a requirement for the mission. I think that the, there's something in the mission around helping others who are here sharing our community with us, wherever that is that almost anyone can resonate with. And so it's certainly not a requirement to be Catholic or to be a particular denomination of anything. Um, but I think that understanding and intention to help our fellow person, um, and to do that in a way that is as, as compassionate as possible, is you know something we we would we would hope that we would bring people to our organization that that resonates with.
1: So the the second dot I want mm-hmm. to connect is a mission and people. So we've done that. Um, how uh, the uh, I guess what I'm getting at here is culture of the organization. Uh, the culture generally comes from the top down in the organization. So how do you and your CEO and some of your management team, how do you uh, embrace this culture and the values and the mission that you' you're putting together? How do you how does that work on a daily basis in, in terms of reinforcing it, talking about it? Defining it all—it's—it's a—that's a huge, broad question for you. But, but I really want to get at how do we share the culture with the people on the team on a daily basis.
2: I think you do a lot of that through your traditions. Um, traditions is one part, and I think the other is just in the reality of how you behave and how you make decisions. You know that people see that over time, and it becomes. Um, something that really just shines through. But we do have our traditions that are part of the culture of the organization, so it may be starting our meetings with what we call as a reflection, um, which is some way for, it could be a quote, it could be a story, it could be a video, it could be anything that you want to share. It could be just a few moments of silence, but some way to bring us together as a as a group of people who are there for a purpose of the meeting, but also have some way to reflect on why we're here, you know, ultimately we're here to serve, uh, you know, this uh, people who are vulnerable and do it in a compassionate way. Um, So we do that through our reflections. We have intentional times where we look at our founders and what they, they brought forward as the sisters of Providence over time um, and uh, stories of their lives and uh, the challenges that they had, which oftentimes mirrors some of the same challenges that we have today in healthcare. Um is so there
1: a short story you could share along those lines uh from the founding sisters?
2: You know I think um we were talking earlier about resiliency mm-hmm. uh, before we started the show and um there is a story of uh, Emily Gamlin, who is actually one of the foundresses of the Sisters of Providence, and um, and I may not tell the whole story exactly correct, but the general gist is that she was a mother and a wife, you know, wife and had three children, and over the course of a relatively short period of time, she lost her husband and all three of her children um, due to illnesses, and um, just the resiliency of her life, you know, if you feel like you're sort of in the valley um, of being able to kind of move out of that space and really took to feeding the poor and really started the ministry and, and making connections. Um, you know, that's one story that certainly permeates over time. And Providence
1: kind of grew out of that ethos grew out of, of that, service. Yeah,
2: really. out of Canada, Montreal actually originally. And mm-hmm. then Brother Joseph was one of the original sisters who moved here to the Northwest, um actually landed in Vancouver and um, you know she was an architect and had a lot of different skills and they did orphanages and a healthcare ministry and food for the poor. You know, they had a lot of different things that they did here, but just the number of hats that they were willing to wear mm. and the decisions that they had to make, um, both with growing their ministries and also at times, you know, resizing them based on the needs of the communities. Um, so that's a story, you know, those stories of having to make some of those tough decisions and change over time with what areas where maybe they had really um, invested a lot of work and trying to be flexible in thought and keeping people's needs really at the core um, is another example that we mm. often use. Fascinating
1: stories. Mm. My guest today is Sherry Paris, the Chief Operating Officer at Providence Milwaukee Hospital and Providence Willamette Falls Medical Center. This is Leadership Moments. I'll be right back after this short break
0: want to grow your company? Listen to this. John C. Maxwell, New York Times best-selling author and leadership guru says, the only way to improve an organization is to grow and improve its leaders. If you want to make an impact, start with yourself. On Friday, October 7th at the Camp Withcomb Armory, you can do just that. Portland will be one of a few hundred cities around the world to broadcast a new type of leadership experience. Live to Lead is a half-day leadership experience packed with a lifetime of valuable content from the greatest leaders in the world. John Maxwell, Chick-fil-A CEO, Dan Cathy, leadership expert, Liz Wiseman, and the eternal optimist, Simon Sinek join an exclusive audience of over 200 leaders from the portland metro area for this transformational experience learn how to lead internationally dream more think more do more and become more the only limit to your success is your willingness to invest in yourself and your organization Tickets available at the North Clackamas Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Chamber of Commerce, and at Live to Lead Portland on evenbright.com. This event is hosted by Foundations for Leaders, sponsored by the North Clackamas Chamber of Commerce, Chick-fil-A, the Christian Chamber Northwest, and by KKPZ 1330, The Truth.
1: Welcome back. This is David MacMe with Leadership Moments, and I'm talking with Sherry Paris, the C- Chief Operating Officer of uh, Providence Milwaukee Hospital, Providence Willamette Falls Medical Center. Sherry, thank you again for being here. Um, I-, I did some uh, orderly work in the old Holiday Park Hospital when I was in Portland and going through college way back in the old days. And I know... Uh, from an inside perspective, that hospitals can be uh, on the surface, everything looks good, but underneath there's a whole lot of chaos going on, a whole lot of things. Is is this true also at, at your place?
2: I don't know if I would characterize it as chaos, but I do think that anytime you're running a large organization where you have um, – in this case, you know, patients who are oftentimes coming in with a variety of different needs going on at the same time that you may have, you know, staffing who have their own challenges and uh, lots of equipment to interface and the building and its needs. You know, there's always going to be things that may come up on a a given day that we need to be able to react to. And, you know, sometimes that might look like chaos and sometimes Mm -hmm. it might, you know, feel that way as well. But um, what I have found is most of the time people pull together, and we do the right thing for patients, and we address things when they when unexpected things do come up.
1: I've read that, um, and and I've had students of mine who have written uh, stories about uh, uh, service worker uh, burnout. Mm-hmm. The jobs are so stressful, and 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 they give so much of themselves in the process of providing service to patients, and and things that that uh, they they burn out. Uh, is is this occur where you're at? And and if so, how do you detect it, and how do you prevent it or overcome it?
2: That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think it happens absolutely everywhere in healthcare because you're. You're meeting people through a very vulnerable time. I mean, you don't know what they've been through before they came in the door or what kind of concerns they have going on in their mind. And it is a real challenge to try to be there 100% for each person in every interaction for our staff and what we call our caregivers. Um, you know, I, I don't know you know, how you lead people sort of through that process. Certainly it's it's probably a really high bar to say you need to be at – you know, 100% focus on every single interaction all throughout your day. I don't think it's really realistic. But I do think that what we encourage folks to do is to really focus on what empathy looks like versus sympathy, you know. So the more you can take just a couple of seconds um, to, under, to try to see that person for where they are and ask, you know, what other questions do you have for me, uh, assuming that most of the time people do have some. Um, really trying to understand is this a mother and what types of things or a father or, you know, the situation that someone may be going through with their parents or whatever that is that's going on in their life to really just take take a few minutes to, to empathize um, and understand how it might look like from their perspective. Uh, I don't know if you can do it in every action or every moment every day. And frankly, I don't know that patients necessarily need that either. Sometimes they just need a little bit of space to get through whatever it is they're trying to deal with. But um, but it is trying to be intentional and look for those opportunities and you know be mindful and thoughtful and part of that well, means that caregivers have to take some time to take care of themselves as well.
1: Well, you've just touched on a whole lot of characteristics of servant leaders and that's really kind of the focus of this show is is about servant leadership. So you talked about being empathetic as opposed to sympathetic and you you talked about empathy, maybe you can differentiate With sympathy, what do you mean by that, and and why are they different?
2: Um, In my mind, and you know, I I see empathy as you know really acknowledging person a person's emotion. Um, You know, and sometimes our intention is to is to feel compelled to fix something for everyone, and people come through that. That's sympathy. Yeah, and that sympathy Mm -hmm. is that you try to either fix or. minimalize or show people the bright side, side. and that may not always be what people need. Um, Sometimes part of compassion and empathy is just being willing to be present with someone in their pain, um, which may or may not be something we can do something about, and that's a a hard thing for folks to do um, because it's uncomfortable, and um, it's hard to acknowledge our own inability to control things sometimes. Um, but it is part of being present for people, and it is, I think, therapeutic. Maybe not always in a physical sense, but in a, in a spiritual sense. Um, and I think part of our work is to do both. And, um, you know, it's an it's a evolution for folks in learning how to do that and to do it on a consistent basis.
1: What, uh, what keeps you passionate about what you do?
2: I mean, I, I think it really is twofold for me. One, I love being um, connected with and part of an organization that really is looking out for um, people who, are, who really need help. Um, you know, and that could be anyone at any, at any phase in their life. Um, so that's certainly a motivator of how do we provide better access for people? How do we make it easier for people during a time, usually when they're coming to seek health care? Sometimes it's for really fun, nice things, and, and a lot of times not. So whatever it is they need to make that a good experience. The other side, though, and I alluded, alluded to this earlier, was part of the reason why I went into management and then on into leadership is um, or at more advancing levels of leadership is to – support people who are there trying to care for others Um, and in some of my first radiology positions uh, that's really where i saw my inspiration it wasn't a criticism necessarily to the management there but i just thought well i can do this and i think i have some ideas about you know how i would do it if i was in that kind of role and how i would try to bring this team together and and what we could do as a group collectively um for each other and for our patients
1: your uh um in the position you're in, you have the, a chance to be a real role model for other women. What would be some examples of things that, that they might want to get better at as they're preparing to move up in, in their leadership positions as well?
2: You know, it's an interesting question. I don't typically think of the sort of—I mean, it's specific to women, sort of the women, um, men uh, differences in leadership. But um, I would just—I would say, as with most people, as as you're mentoring folks or giving um, uh, guidance on things, is to really look for what resonates with them. You know, what are they? Both try to situate what they're good at, whether that's organization or whether that's working with teams or whatever that might look like. And then also to try to, not to the point of criticism, but periodically go through and say, you know, what are my blindsides? You know, what are, what are things where I feel like I need to kind of hone in on that in order to move to the next level, whatever that may be for them, um, and try to be intentional in that area a little bit. I wouldn't focus a whole lot on the weakness, but I think just being aware of the weakness and where you might be able to supplement that. Um, and then what are some areas where you really need to uh, focus on what you do well and how do you how do you let that shine? and how do you use it for the benefit of the, you know your organization? Mm-hmm.
1: Is there a role for mentoring?
2: For mentoring? Um, I think so. I think part of responsibility, you know, and, and hopefully most people do this is is trying to help the future folks who are moving along through the organization. Um, look for opportunities, look for growth um, opportunities or educational opportunities, connections that they might have um, as a collective, you know, either within your organization or within your community to help people continue to develop, you know, as a as a group. So I try to look for those connections when I can and figure out, because it's not just about me. I mean, I think probably the real value of leadership is who are you um, helping support along the way is going to come along with you.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. It's Uh, John Maxwell says if you if you get to the top of the hill and you're alone You've you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing others along with you There's a Harvard Business Review article that said uh, There are four attributes of successful COOs. So let's let's see if you fit these oh me Uh, Attribute number one they are strategic with a focus on details. Yes or no?
2: I think yes. This is really awkward.
1: That's okay. That's fine um Attribute number two, they appreciate talent. Yes,
2: I think yes, because you magnify, you really are able to amplify what you can do.
1: Okay. Uh, attribute number three, they have no ego.
2: That's a hard bar. I mean, for people to say they have no ego, but I think, um, I mean, like I was saying, I think part of moving groups forward is you got to be part of the group. It's not a me thing.
1: Okay. Last one, they are data-driven.
2: I think that helps tell a compelling story. I mean, I think you can articulate a narrative but and conceptually where you want to go, but you've got to be able to back it up.
1: Events coming up for uh, Providence. we got a little bit less than a minute left. Is there something that you want to highlight uh, for the audience that might be coming up that they should pay attention to?
2: I think in our two areas at Milwaukee, we... Um, over the last probably six months, opened a teaching kitchen, which has been you know a lot of fun that right now is accepting referrals from two of our clinics. But we'll be expanding that. That helps folks with um, sort of immediate food security needs, dietary support for the dietitian, and then they, they also do some teaching classes that are specific to different disease states. Uh, we also just opened uh, at the end of July a new unit at Milwaukee, that's uh, focused on seniors who have psychiatric illnesses and need inpatient uh, care. So that's a really great service, and we're enjoying seeing that grow. Uh, I was trying to think on the Willamette Falls campus, we're working on expanding the campus itself by uh, working through the city planning process, on building a new medical office building to support growth both for Providence but for other community uh, services that may want to be in the building.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time, Sherry. This is David McNamee. My guest today has been Sherry Paris, the Chief Operating Officer of Providence Milwaukee Hospital and Providence Willamette Falls Medical Center. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you for me too.
0: Thank you for joining us for Leadership Moments with David McNamee. You can schedule an appointment with David by calling 971-204-0373 or email him at dmagnami at foundationsforleaders.com. David has a wide variety of resources to help you, and you can find those resources at www.foundationsforleaders.com. Take the time to call David this week or contact him through Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or email, and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. for Leadership Moments right here on KKPZ 1330, The Truth.